turn into Ephesians 4. I was hoping just to process a while, maybe God would give me the rest of this message. Okay. I'm going to entitle this message, Growing Pains. And when I, when I was in the hotel tonight, the Holy Spirit said to me, they're growing pains. How many of you ever had kids with growing pains? You know, we have seven of them. How many of you have, how many of you have multiple children? Raise your hand. They hit a certain age, you know, they're kind of aching and they're unhappy. Just say, just growing pains, baby. Every time I'd ache, my mom couldn't figure it out. She'd go, you got growing pains. I go, like, mama, what are growing pains? She goes, they're just pains because you're growing. Like your fingers getting long, your arms, you grow. Well, the church is in growing pains right now. And I want to define what you're experiencing as you grow. And I want to help you respond to God. Um, God's blessed this church. Hundreds and hundreds of people in this area are being touched here. There are Sundays, Bubba, when how many people are coming to our site? 600 some Sundays? And there, huh? Yes, it, there, and hundreds more have come through here. So God's getting ready to breathe more growth on you. But if you don't capture what I'm saying the pain of growing will keep you from responding right to this next wave. Now, in Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to be in Ephesians 4, um, 11 through 16. Here in verse 11, we know that Jesus gives us lots of gifts of the Spirit. I imagine every gift of the Holy Spirit is present in this room tonight. But there are five gifts I want to talk about. Jesus said... He himself gave gifts. Now, not just gifts, gifted people. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, we pretty much know what a pastor is. It's not just someone that pastors the church, because some people that pastor churches, they may be more evangelists than pastor. Pastor was someone gifted by God to pastor and care for people. A prophet. I have a powerful, they say, this gift of prophecy. You can hear God, see things, prophesy, do things. Evangelists, of course, a gift to lead people to Christ. I'll, I'm going to define that more in a moment. Apostles are gifted at planning churches, governing churches. Teachers are gifted to communicate the Bible. Pastor Jacob, incredible evangelist. I mean, incredible. One, one of the greatest in the country. Tim Delino is a great, great Bible teacher. You know, Bubba's incredible pastor and shepherd with a prophetic gift. So all that now. But ultimately, when I look at, you know, Bubba and Josh and Trace and this team, their ultimate place in life is not to move in their gift. And this is what you've got to understand. God gives us these gifts to equip us. Now, if we don't get this, the church will never really grow beyond like the people sitting in the front row. It'll never grow beyond that. So Pastor Jacob might be a great evangelist, and he's probably preached, what, to a million kids or something, Bubba? I mean, he's been with Billy Graham, all kinds of things. But the ultimate, my ultimate gift, and I prophesied over eight or nine of you, and that's wonderful, but my ultimate gift is not to tell you what God's saying, it's to equip you to hear him for yourself. And so I want to give you a model change. 
Because no matter how gifted this team is, whether you're, whether you're in Eunice or whether you're in Crowley or whether you're here in Jennings, if you can't transition into, I love their gift, to being equipped to move in that gift yourself, our growth's gonna be throttled back. So, yes, I have a gift of prophecy, but as a, a prophet, as an equipper, my ultimate passion is not just that this is gonna happen in America or you know, this is gonna happen here or there. My ultimate passion is I've got to equip you to do that. So if I can't multiply myself or Bubba can't multiply himself or Jamie or whoever can't multiply themselves, then our growth is gonna be stymied and I'm gonna tell you why. So in reality, I mean, if I'm sick, I'd love Bubba to come visit me in a hospital. Now, I don't much always want a prophet to come visit me in a hospital. I want something more pastoral, feel a little sorry for me, maybe bring me a little treat up to eat or something. But Bubba, if he is the only one that could go to see someone in the hospital in this church, he's failed. So, there, so for this to work, Bubba has to be willing to equip you and you have to be willing to be equipped and then to receive ministry from those who have been equipped even if it's not Bubba. There day come when something grows, you may be in a life crisis and someone other than one of the team shows up. That may make you feel angry. Well, when we're all being equipped, that's how we grow. Now watch this. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. If this body is going to add the hundreds of more people, I believe it is, this team cannot do it. We've come to a place where our team and our key pillars, and it's not about them getting more anointed. That's wonderful, but it's not enough. In fact, God himself will throttle things down because God realizes that real growth takes place when everyone in the body has been equipped. Now, it goes on to say, this process of being equipped is going to take place until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, when are we going to obtain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ? Either when we die and go to heaven or when he comes back. If the hundreds of you are going to go from a three-digit church to a four-digit church, the model of how you see ministry in your mind has to change. Or you're going to get in a lot of pain. You're going to get in pain because pastor so-and-so didn't come see you and you're sick. Or, you know, why didn't, why didn't the pastor's wife call me on the phone? Or, I mean, I was really hurting. Well, if three of your brothers and sisters came and saw you, that's not enough. Now, this is not based on a conversation with Bubba. This is based on a conversation with the Holy Spirit. You understand, ultimately, 
You don't pay Bubba to take care of you. You pay Bubba to equip you to care for one another. Now, Bubba's big-hearted. He got Jacob as a model. Bubba loves people. But in the end, this has to grow beyond Bubba, grow beyond Tracy, grow beyond Jamie, grow beyond the leaders into all of you. Because God wants to transform this area. He don't want, is my goal for you to have 30 pastors on staff? No, my goal is for you to have 1,000 people who can pastor one another. That doesn't mean the staff doesn't pastor, but that means there's got to be something where I realize. Now watch this. Then we'll no longer be infants. We'll no longer be infants. The Bible says, if you're only ministered to, you'll stay an infant. We have three grandchildren. I love children with grandchildren even better because you only get them when you want them. You don't have to have them all the time. <laughs> like one of my grandchildren goes to the bathroom in his pants. I don't change that diaper. I call his dad or mom. Where are you? But dad, you can't change diapers. No, I forgot how. I'm in grandparent stage. So when you, when you look at this, and so one of my children was just born, on the, born a year ago on the Syrian border, believe it or not, right on the Syrian border. Born with 600,000 refugees. And my mom, my wife's going to see him. Now, little Jed is wonderful. But if they just minister to Jed all his life, always change his diaper, always carry him around, never potty train him, never teach him any words, and never make him walk or let him crawl, what's he going to be at 14? Same thing. And if we don't understand this paradigm that's what happens to us spiritually. It's what happens to us. I'll never forget something I saw in him 25 years ago. And I haven't shared this for decades. And I saw this big baby. I mean, remember baby Huey, that big old duck? This baby was big. He was, I mean, he was bigger than Jamie. He was just big and strong. But he, but he had a diaper on, and he had more hair than Jamie, I have to say. And he didn't have a beard. And he was, he was sitting there in his big diaper. But there were, unlike Jamie, who's a muscular, strong man, this baby just, he just baby fat everywhere. Big old fat rolls. And he was cute, but, I mean, you shouldn't be that big still looking like you're 18 months old. And he was screaming and squealing. And fat was shaking on his arms, and he was rattling around. I go, dear God, I said, that's a monster. I said, what is that? God goes, that's the body of Christ. I said, whoa. And then I saw this giant bottle. It was the size of like a Minuteman missile. <laughs> and there were all these anointed ministers there marching with a bottle. <laughs> the baby was going, yeah! He saw his body go, God, what's that? God said, that's the five-fold ministry, son. He's within him. They're keeping him alive, son. And I said, I got something coming. It's like fire came down from heaven, scorched that baby to wake him up. And so there's got to be this, and it sounds nice to preach it. And everyone likes it until they need ministry, and it's not the one they want giving it to them. 
and you think you got it bad, how would you like to be disciples when Jesus was leaving and Peter was going to be your new pastor? <laughs> Peter, he was just cussing. <laughs> Man, he just whacked someone's ear off in a fight in the garden. Peter, I mean, Jesus, I mean, are you sure you got fully rose from the dead to pick him? I mean, think about that. Peter? Then we're going to no longer be infants. And we're not going to be tossed back and forth by waves. The storms aren't going to keep us from crossing over. Now, there's a way to live. And we're not going to be blown here and there by winds of teaching and by the cunning craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. God said, if you'll be willing to be equipped, you're going to grow up, waves aren't going to knock you down, and you're not going to be deceived, but you're going to have to create a culture. So instead of being blown around, beat up, knocked down, nursed, pacified all the time, Instead, if you'll speak the truth in love, you'll grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, the Christ. You see, we all love the, the Last Supper story, don't we? Jesus breaking the bread, sharing the wine. But we forget John 13, which also took place at that Last Supper. Remember that story? Jesus comes in, and he takes off his outer garments and takes the role of a servant to wash their dirty feet. And he's washing their feet, and Peter jerks his feet back. No, you can't wash my feet. I'd have thought, man, they're dirty. I don't like to look at your toenails. you got toe jam. I'm glad not to wash them. But Jesus said, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part in me, Peter. That's serious. Now, catch this now. Of course, Peter's either all or nothing. Okay, give me a bath then. <laughs> and Jesus says, no, no, son. My words made you clean. It's just your feet. Now, what you're going to find in that story is it's really not about feet. It's about hearts. And that Peter's heart is dirty with pride. And he's going to later look at him and say, you're going to deny me. You're not going to make it. And Peter's going to look the Son of God straight in the eye and say, you're wrong. I won't deny you. They will. And he's going to walk right out full of pride and not pray, fall asleep and deny him. He's also going to try to wash Judas's feet. I mean, Judas got demonized in the first communion. That's scary. And in a bad small group, the original apostles with Jesus as your small group leader. That's why he handed that sop to Jesus, giving him a chance to repent, handed Judas. So what it, then Jesus said, you're going to be blessed if you keep doing this when I'm gone, not washing feet, washing hearts. Well, I listened to my pastor. Well, your pastor don't live with you. Are you going to listen to your covenant brother? You're going to, you're going to listen, great women of God, to the other women in your life? Jesus says, you will not grow unless you'll speak in love the truth to each other. I love Bub and Tracy. They're astonishing, but they don't live with all of you. 
I love the pastors and this team, but they're not around you. They don't see you living life, but the brothers and sisters in this church do. And there's got to be a culture. You know, I, I thought today, I've been a Christian since I was eight years old. Turned to Christ. 17, I, I, I gave him a heart to follow him as Lord. I've been married almost 37 years. My wife and I are still in love. One of the reasons is, is I've put a sign around my neck with all my friends. Tell me the truth. Don't lie to me. If you see anything, tell me. And there's got to be a culture where not only do we run from the truth and get offended. And here's the problem. If you make it hard for people to tell you the truth, they'll stop. And that's a bad place to be in. That scares me. You know, the more anointed you get or you get the big reputation and, you know, I travel and I can prophesy and I hear God. So I'd be thinking, well, I'm a gentleman who hear God. I'm not going to tell him the truth. What if I'm wrong? I put a sign around my neck. Tell me the truth. Tell me the truth. But if any time, you, if any time someone tells you you get really mad or you have a temper tantrum or you don't talk to them, they're going to stop because it's not worth it. And you're going to get hit by what you didn't see coming because no one would tell you the truth. Or if you fall into tears and cry and, oh, you hurt me. Your friend's going to stop. And you'll get hurt again and again. So you say, oh, man, it hurts to have the truth told. It hurts worse not to know it. It just hurts. And growing pains come when we realize this thing's getting so big that if we're all not equipped to minister, not just to those who are new, but to one another, it's not going to get done. And if there's not a shift, you're going to get your feelings hurt. Who's going to minister to me? Well, that typically means who on staff is going to minister to me? You mean Jesus is only living in those on staff? Like somehow you've got to, your vocation's got to be ministry or Jesus just isn't going to live in you? Well, that's fairly, that's pretty bad. So instead, you'll speak to them now from him. This only works. The level of relationship it's going to take for you as a church to cross the next barrier with hundreds of more coming is only going to work out of your willingness to relate to him because he gives you the love. He gives you the grace to minister to people. Let me tell you a secret. Here is why Christianity works. At its very good essence. Here's why Mother Teresa could love the unlovely. Here is why we can look in the eyes of someone who betrayed us and forgive them. Here is why Kathy and I are still in love after 37 years. Love, beloved, by its very nature, has to be reciprocated. Make no mistake about it. But how many of you know you're called to love people, even to love your spouse and children at times when they can't reciprocate it. They're not going to be lovely back. They're not going to thank you. Maybe they're going to be angry. Maybe they're going to just make you want to strangle them, not hug them. And the fact of it is, it works because agape love is based on this premise. I can love my child. I can love my spouse. I can love this stranger, even when they can't love me back, because when I love God loves me back. But if you're not in right relationship with Christ, so it's every morning, you say, why are you and Kathy still in love? Because we're both loved by God every day. So it's the reason. 
Like, if I'm making her mad, she didn't say, you need to spend more time with me. She says, go spend some time with God. She realizes he's the only one that wants to be around me. And if I'm around him enough, she might want to be around me again. That's just reality. It's just reality. It, the body doesn't work unless every part is related to the head. You may say, I'm only a finger. Why should I relate to the head? Life without a finger doesn't work quite the same. Just doesn't. So from the head, the Bible says, the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament. That basically says, beloved, that it's only as we relate to Jesus, it's only as we get his love, his character, his peace, as we relate to the head, that we have the power we need to be joined to one another. And joining is a strong word. That's why I don't believe you join a church. I believe God joins you to a church. Fundamentally different. But this isn't like Sam's Club. They didn't like Costco. I've joined them. I joined Sam. I love Sam's Club, especially when they put all the treats out. I loved it. I mean, I'd go in there and eat out of all them treats, make four or five rotations to make sure they taste the way I thought they did the first time. I love, I love Sam's Club. Man, I was faithful. I was a Sam's Christian until Costco came. And the steaks were better. And I felt, Lord, I may need to double dip. I made a new church. These steaks are better, but I like the ribs better at Sam's. That's joining something. I didn't understand joined. I joined the army. I joined the military. You know what the difference was? I couldn't quit. Once I raised my hand in that kind of bloom of patriotism, and that drill sergeant was just cursing me and my family, didn't matter. I couldn't go home. I said, I want to go to jail. I got joined. And God will join you to a people. We don't recruit here. He'll join you. But if that's not nourished out of your relationship with the Christ, you won't have the love and the power to forgive and not quit. So when you're joined together, something happens. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament. Ligament, that little piece of cartilage. A ligament in the ancient world was what they'd call a friendship. It's a ligament. It's a bond. It's held together. And in the end, what holds a church together, two things and two things alone, other than leadership, relationship to Christ and deep relationships in that church. Because family is the best place for friendship to develop. And as friendships develop in the church, they become the ligaments that keep this thing together as they advance. Bubba and I tonight, we're talking about covenant friendship. It's a word both Bubba and I use. I use it rarely, but I have nine lifetime covenant friendships on this planet. It's the great privilege of my life other than Jesus and my wife. And they were forged, and I've watched them keep things together that have affected the lives of thousands of people. Now, when Jesus, when we're related to the head, when we're relating to one another, when our ministry paradigm changes, here's what happens. Held together by every supporting ligament, speaking of Christ's body, 
it grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Grow, build, love as each part does its work. Every one of you have a part. Every one of you. I spent years, at one point, as a young man in my church, I missed Sunday morning church 18 straight months teaching four and five-year-olds, and I was in the army. But I grew up in a Christian home, and I could teach four and five-year-olds. I missed church 18 months. Some people think, well, they don't have kids. They don't have to teach anymore. I mean, if it's your gift, is that about a status or a state of having kids or about a gift? My mama, who's 84 now, I can remember going to her church. She had 77. She was in the nursery. Why? She's had a gift. She teaches Sunday school at 75. It's a gift. It's a gift. As each part does its work. Pastor, I'm just really good with people. We sure need you greeting. First impression someone has comes in a church is the most important one. That person they see in the parking lot, that person that takes the baby out of their arms, that's the first sermon they hear when they walk in this door. Don't underestimate it. This church will grow to the next level as every part does its work. I know it's painful sometimes. You don't feel noticed. Beloved, you think, well, Pastor Jim, you're noticed. That's relative. There are a lot of people more noticed than me. But you see, I don't live to be noticed by people. If I did, I'd have quit a long time ago. Because a lot of what I do, the Lord doesn't even allow me to talk about or tell people about because it's too private and too personal. It's the prophecies you don't see. But I'm pretty happy to be noticed by God and by my covenant brothers and by my wife. That's pretty much enough. Jesus said, he said, I have no need for you to know me. He told the Pharisees, I have no need for you to approve me. I have no need for you to think I'm the Messiah. And that wasn't arrogance. It was enough those who mattered knew. So what's important at churches, a lot of times what's never seen as men. It's a person praying for their servants, wake, awakened in the middle of the night, crying out for God's presence. It's the people holding those babies so that tired mom can get away and worship. The body grows as each part does its work. There are growth pains. It's sometimes painful to get ministered to by people that are learning on you. I would have loved to have prophesied over you when I was 17, by the way. I'd have given you a big prophecy. It just would have been about 75% wrong, but I sure would have enjoyed it. <laughs> you might have even liked it for a moment. It is painful. It, it, it can be painful to feel like you don't see your friends at church, or, or it can be painful that you don't see pastor so-and-so as much. Or, painful. But growth is painful. That's why some people don't choose to grow. You're going to grow again. 
by hundreds of people. It really is true. And they're growing pains now. And changing this starts with a shift in our mind to realize, okay, this can't influence this area unless all of us are equipped, unless we all minister, and we're all willing to be ministered to by people other than those we choose. Make sense? Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I thank you. It's a miracle what you've done here, Holy Spirit. I thank you for this great church. I thank you for this great team. I call them in to everything you have for them, Jesus. Amen.